Welcome to the Hybrid Human Podcast. My name is Zach Ryan, and each week, myself and my co-host Chase Price will be exploring the intersection of wellness, business, entrepreneurship, and more. Get ready to learn, grow, and evolve with us on the Hybrid Human Podcast. Ready to rock. Ready to rock. All right, man. Episode two of the pod. Super, super excited. You know, really the episode today, we're going to dive into who Chase is, his come up, his journey, you know, everything from relationships to to fitness to business, ultra marathons, you know, super fast marathons, sub, sub 245, things of that nature. So really excited. We're diving into his goals, his business. Like I said, all things, you know, wellness, super, super excited. So Chase, thanks for the time, man. Yeah. Super excited to Thank dive you. into it. We'll get you next week. I'm ready to rock. Next time, bye. We'd love but, to. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll be the victim this week. <laughs> We'd love to, man. Well, look, I know, uh, you know, the first episode, we kind of walked through an introduction to the podcast and really set the stage of what our goals are with this thing and, and who we are and kind of how we came together. But I would love, you know, for you to introduce yourself more formally to, you know, the audience that may be listening or watching, um, you know, in your words, who is Chase Price? Yeah, never been asked that in that form before, but, uh, William Chase Price is my full name. I'm, I'm 29 years old. I am married uh, for about eight months now, and I have a dog, and I have a business. And that's, you know, when people say, like, who are you? Uh, I like to say I'm a husband, I'm a dog dad, and I'm a business owner. And I love that's, it. That's kind of my, my three-hit thing. Yeah, man, I would love for you to take us way back to the early days, you know, middle school, high school, kind of as you're on your come up. I know we've talked off camera you know, hasn't always been this way. So we love in your words, you know, to understand what the early days were like and kind of how you got here. Yeah. Another loaded question. <laughs> um, I'll probably start for me. My journey started in middle school. Um, I was bullied in middle school pretty heavily, like on the bus and like, you know, after school, I just remember I didn't fit in. I didn't fit the mold for, you know, coming up. It's like, Super, super clicky. Um, middle school is kind of where it started, where, where kids start to get mean. And totally. you can kind of be singled out. And I kind of was because I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't a nerd. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. I was just me. But that's fine later in life. But early on in life, people tend to gravitate towards these cliques. And I just wasn't really in one. Um, so I remember, you know, I had a difficult come up um, in middle school because of that. I was the middle child. So I have a younger brother and older sister. And uh, my parents divorced when I was two. So for me, that was never a problem, like having them divorced, because that's all I knew. Sure. Like I never knew them together. So it's not like I craved that or missed that. The trouble with that was being the middle child. And I was the oldest um, for my mom and my dad had me and my brother and then my sister's dad and my mom had had her. So I was the oldest communicating with my dad and they just couldn't communicate themselves. So I remember just always being in the middle. I was the middleman on the phone. Like, you know, dad said this, mom said this, and they're just screaming, like yelling all this. And they lived eight hours away. So I remember like I, I had a great childhood. Don't get me wrong. But I remember like that experience being a defining moment for me coming up and being like, one, I never want to put my child through that of being a middleman and like not being able to communicate, even if, you know, God forbid me and Darian were to ever 
separate, like being able to be adults and to communicate um, and not put that on a child. Uh, but two, it, it it made me grow up fast uh, because I had to be that kind of older brother, um, step up for for my little brother, and just grow up a little bit and um, you know become a man probably sooner than maybe naturally it would have happened. But you know I'm grateful for that that time. I did grow up. I did mature probably faster than I would have otherwise. Um, after middle school, you know I was moving around a lot at this time. I lived with my mom. She was a drug sales rep, so she was going up and down the East Coast, you know, slinging drugs legally. Um, <laughs> um, Quick point of clarification. Yes, yes. <laughs> so started in Pennsylvania, then down to Richmond, Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, um, eventually down to Greensboro, North Carolina. That's where I went to high school. And uh, high school was was fine, you know, kind of the same thing. Like, I never really fit in anywhere. I was kind of like I had friends, but it wasn't like, I was, again, a jock or, you know, a musician or this or that. So funny that I say musician because I did pick up, as you know, I picked up music uh, a little bit down the road. I just like found Fruity Loop Studios. <laughs> and so I knew I had a creative streak in me. So in high school, I explored that a little bit. Um, I would just sit in my, my studio, my room and just make beats for hours and hours and hours, just kind of by myself, just do my thing, make beats. Um, for a long time, I thought that was going to be what I wanted to do with my life. It's funny because looking back, it makes so much sense. Just, it was creative. It was my outlet that I had found at the time. I think if I would have stuck with it, I'd be the next like freaking marshmallow or something. I, sh I probably <laughs> should have, but I'm glad how everything worked out, but I'm not surprised that it was something creative like that because I've just always gravitated towards that. So yeah, high school kind of comes and goes. I'm just, I'm not a standout in any capacity. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm doing my music. I dropped my mixtape. That's like my, my kind of coming out moment, which is cool. But then it like kind of blows over and goes by the wayside. My identity at this time is obviously the music, but also like I was the party kid. Like I always knew where the party was. If somebody was trying to go out at night, they would hit me up and be like, yo, what's going on tonight? And I took a lot of pride in that because I didn't have a thing. So that's was, was that what was I gravitated thing. towards. Like I'm the party kid. Now this is still high school. This is, this is in high school. This is like junior, <clears throat> senior year of high school. And I'm thriving on this. And like my parents are going out of town. I'm throwing down when they leave. Of course I get caught. I'm dealing with the consequences after. So, you know, this goes on for maybe I'll backtrack. It was like sophomore, junior year. I throw, throw down one of those parties when my mom leaves junior year. My stepdad and my mom are like, that's it. You're going to military school. So junior Jeez. year, they sent me to military school. I went there for like a year. Um, it sucked, but it's really what I needed at the time. And this military school is crazy, bro. Like you get in trouble, you know, you don't go to detention. You go cut grass with scissors or you like go scrub the bathroom or something like that. So, so it was like old school. Yeah. It was you know, old you're school paying for the sure. price for what you're, for what <laughs> yeah. you do. Fortunately, we lived close enough where I didn't have to stay <clears throat> in the dorms or whatever on campus, which was nice, but it was kind of kicking the ass that I needed at that time. Cause I was just a punk. Like I was underage drinking all the time and, and I'm like 15 at the time, you mm. know, just going down a bad path. Sure. Um, so I do, you know, my time there, I go back to the regular high school for my senior year. 
continue kind of with the music a little bit, but it's falling off. And then I, I have good grades. Like school was never really hard for me. Uh, I just didn't apply myself that much, but I really could, could get in not anywhere, but, um, you know, I applied to ECU because that's where I wanted to go. I only applied to one school cause I was like, I know I'm going to get into ECU. So applied there, got in there. My parents were hesitant to let me go based off my track record because it wasn't great. <laughs> right? Fair. <laughs> Which, looking back, was very fair. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> freshman year comes, I move into the dorms at ECU. It's more of the same, man. Like, just drinking, partying, like, and ECU. You know, every college is a is a party school, but ECU is, you know, a little bit, goes a little bit harder than some of the other traditional schools, so... Um, I, I was in that culture, you know, for, for four years. I was in a fraternity. I did that whole thing. And pretty much I was just doing the same shit, man. Like I, I always knew I had a leadership streak in me. Like I knew there was greatness in me, but I would always fuck it up. Like, for example, I was president of my fraternity as a sophomore at ECU, but I kept getting in trouble for underage drinking on campus. I got kicked off campus. I got kicked out of my position mm. because I would like... I would just shoot myself in the foot time and time again because of alcohol, pretty yeah. much. Just being immature. So I get kicked out of ECU for a semester my sophomore year, go to Pitt Community College, do my time there, come right back to ECU. Again, kind of same story. And um, finish like pretty strong. I mean, I was still doing the same shit, living for the weekends, really into just like there's no other way to say it, just binge drinking, dude. Like, you know, yeah. I was drinking to get drunk every time I'd go drink, right? And that happened, that that was a streak I was on for like years and years. And so after that, um, because I got kicked out, I ended up taking a fifth year at ECU. So I take my fifth year, finally finish up with a victory lap, graduate in 2016. While I was there, I was majoring in entrepreneurship and business management. So... I left out, my dad's an entrepreneur. He owns like some gas stations and some sit-go restaurants and stuff like that. Or excuse me, some sit-go gas stations and some Bojangles restaurants. So I kind of saw that from afar as I was growing up. I live with my mom, but I would visit my dad sometimes and I, I would see that and I was like, dang, this whole entrepreneurship thing is is pretty cool. And, yeah. and at the time at ECU, it was the first semester that had even had it as an opportunity to to be a program that you could follow. So Instantly went into that. But the weird thing was I got out of school and I'm like, well, shit, I have this entrepreneurship degree. Now I got to start something. But what am I going to start? And I thought at first it was going to be event management, um, something along those lines, because I was like, again, it kind of goes back to like, I liked throwing parties. And I was like, maybe I can do this for corporations, for weddings, like on a different scale or whatever. So I get a postgraduate internship at the Biltmore, which... Um, I lasted two weeks at, I quit because I realized like, this ain't it. It was pretty much just a glorified catering position. Sure. You know? And I was like, this is stressful, but not in a good way. It's not positive stress. It's like bridezillas and you know, these corporate folks are just on one. So that didn't work out. And at that point in time, I was like, man, this is probably the only time in my life where I can just kind of take some at bats and just try some shit. So that's what I did. I just started trying things. I start. I tried to get into like a, a t-shirt company. It was like a fitted t-shirt company for like muscular people, which is a thing now. At the time, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, looked into that. That was a miss or for some odd reason, didn't continue pursuing that. Then started building websites. 
got a client or two building websites. Then I was like, all right, websites need content. So I started picking up the camera and shooting content for the websites. I was like, websites also need videos. So I grabbed the GoPro and I started doing that. And that's when I was like, oh shit, I think I hit on something here with the video thing. I really liked that. Um, so I lean into that. And at this time, I'm still living in Asheville. I quit the job at the Biltmore, but I'm still in Asheville. And basically all I'm doing, I'm waking up at five every day, I'm going to the gym, and then I'm coming back and I'm just working on my business at this time. And I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, but just going for it, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so that starts to pick up a little bit of traction with the website thing. So I'm doing a website, I'm doing a little bit of content, whatever. Uh, my lease runs out there. It was like a three month lease for the summer or whatever. So I moved back to my mom's place, which is in, in uh, Emerald Isle, North Carolina, which was great for me because it was a super Zen place. It was chill. It was a great place for me to like focus and try and build my business. So I go back home for a while. I'm getting a client here, a client there, building the portfolio, building the portfolio. And this is primarily video. Cause as I said, I, I have a, a knack for the video thing. And I decided to kind of take a leap of faith. I'm like, I can continue to build my portfolio this way, but it's going to take, you know, years and years of making next to nothing or whatever. So again, I had that mindset of like, this is my only time in my life where I can do something a little bit crazy and there's minimal consequences because I'm not tied down too much, right? So one day I'm looking at these digital nomad websites or whatever, and I'm like, fuck it. I bought a one-way ticket to Vietnam. And I picked Vietnam because Vietnam was the cheapest place that I could find. You can basically live on like three USD a day. So I didn't have much wow. money. I had like, I think I had $1,500 saved and I had a credit card. So I was like, if shit hits the fan, I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So I buy my $500 ticket to Vietnam and uh, I go. And my plan is to spend a month at each location in Southeast Asia. So I'm like, I'll go to Vietnam, I'll go to Bali, I'll go to Thailand, I'll do all this stuff and just stay for like a $400 a month Airbnb or um, hostel or whatever it is. So that's what I do. I go to Vietnam. I'm like right in the heart of Da Nang, Vietnam. And there's days when I don't see a white person like anywhere, like for days at a time. And I wasn't quite expecting that. I thought, and the language barrier was another thing. I was like, people, people speak English. I'll be fine. You know, they don't speak English there. <laughs> like worse than, a, worse than you thought. Yeah. Much worse than I thought. The language barrier was just, um, it was huge. So now um, was this, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no. Was this experience, I'll call it due to you wanting to go down like a travel videography path or was it just, Hey, I've been picking up a camera, like. I'm good with it now yeah. I'm practicing. Let me go take cool and interesting videos and pictures of a different place outside of yeah. you know, the Southeast US. That's a, that's a great question. I was very influenced by some of these vloggers at the time. I don't know if you've ever heard of like Sam Colder. Sure. Um, yeah. There was a couple of these guys that were just killing it and they were seemingly <clears throat> like traveling the world, doing deals with hotels and stuff and traveling for free and like making good money doing this. And I was like, that's what I want. I want something like that. And if I don't land that, I'll just figure it out along the way. Yeah. And so I was vlogging. I was doing travel vlogs at the time. Looking back at the vlogs, like they're so freaking cringy, but I thought I was such a good editor at the time, which is funny. But while that's how I, it goes though. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Hours, right? <laughs> yes. hundred percent. And so I was just getting those reps in. I mean, I was 
I was getting jobs, but I wasn't really making money. I was getting by. I was breaking even. I was putting a little bit on the on the credit card at the time, you know. But I was like, man, I'm really kind of living a dream here, kind of doing this, being able to travel by myself. And um, that was just such a unique experience. Like, I'm so grateful that I traveled by myself. I'm glad I didn't take anybody with me or whatever, because like, you can, you really find out who you are when you're traveling by yourself. Especially that far yeah. away from <laughs> yeah. what you would consider home. Like that yeah. is, it's not like, hey, mom, dad, I messed up. I need to come home. I'll be home in four hours. It's, you know, two days or whatever it is to find a flight, buy the flight, which is probably extremely expensive Yeah, to get home yeah. and do that whole travel. Like that's a lot. And you said a lot in your, in your intro, um, and I appreciate the rundown. I kind of want to back up a little bit. Sure. So middle school, high school, kind of growing up, you mentioned like the whole bullying thing mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the pressure, I'll call it, of, you know, your parents kind of being apart and growing up in that world and being the middleman for communication and um, finding your outlet at first, not creatively, but through partying. Mm -hmm. So kind of walk me through that. Have you had, a, had like a chance to reflect back on this was my outlet. I was the party guy. Was it something that you just enjoyed doing or was it more of like, you know, I got craziness over here. Let me just go do my thing over here. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Like I lived for it. It was fun, but also you gotta, it goes back to that thing of like, that's my identity. You know, I clung to that because that was who I wanted to be known as, yeah. you know, to me, that was cool. That was like, you know, people are hitting me up because I'm in the know and like, I want to chill with the, I was like one of the cool kids. That's how I worked my way into the group at the time. It sounds so juvenile saying that now, 15 years later, but at the time, that's how I was thinking, right? This yeah. is, this is my way into, to hang out with these cool kids at these parties or whatever. So, which and, by the way, that, like who classifies who is, you know, a cool looking back on it. Right. It's just like a cliche, right? kind of funny thing to think about, but it's a real thing for anybody who's kind of going through those, I'll call it you know, young age, you know, grades of like middle school to high school. It's a, it's a real thing. Yes. Super 100%. interesting to look back on. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it was, it was definitely tied to, to who I was at the time. And so I leaned into that. And then I also leaned into the creativity just again, like looking for identity really and found it there. <clears throat> so would you say, you know, from a creative perspective, I know you were like, Hey, I'm going to try this event planning. It's not it. I'm going to try this videography thing. Was there a point where you were like, maybe this isn't it? Or the whole time you're like, I'm confident in my skills, my abilities. Like I know if I put in my 10,000 hours, eventually one of these will pop off and I'll start a business and I'll grow clientele. And yeah. like, was there ever any, I guess, self-doubt in the fact that I'm going to be an entrepreneurship or I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to grow this business based off your entrepreneurship degree and you know your experience in school? Yeah, there was sh plenty of moments of doubt throughout the journey. There was never a time where I thought this isn't going to work. You know what I mean? Like there was times that were really freaking hard. I mean, I remember, dude, I, I didn't really start being successful and like having a thriving, profitable business for like, it took almost two years. I mean, I was breaking even, I would make a little bit of money here, but like I'm traveling, you know, and so I'm yeah. losing it. Uh, pretty quickly it's going out as, as fast as it's coming in and even faster so basically you know I, I take my hiatus I travel for a year right I come back home and I'm like I'm not moving back in with my, my mom I want to pick a spot and like set up a little production company I want to start my company I want to pick a spot 
you know, on the map and, and go. So I ended up a, kind of by chance just picking Charlotte. I had a couple connections at ECU uh, who had moved out here. I, I knew a couple buddies and I was like, that's probably a good place to start. It seems like a thriving place. This is like late 2017, early 2018. I did the same thing I did when I was traveling abroad. I was like, all right, let me just scoop at Airbnb for like a month at a time at these different neighborhoods, see what I like, see where I want to live, that sort of thing. So, um, bro, I, I actually drove by the place that uh, I moved into <laughs> a couple of months ago. I drew, drove by it and this was like a duplex, but like, so, you know, duplex, it's like one side, one side, one story duplex. We were on one side of it. I didn't even rent out the one side. I rented out a room in the one side. The owner lived in the back room. I lived in the front room. We shared the kitchen. I think I paid like <laughs> 700 a month or something like that. I love it. Um, yeah, it was a humbling moment going by. I took a picture of it the other day. But what I was getting at was I remember coming back and at that time, like one of my buddies was like, hey, let's go to... Um, the Hornets game and I got tickets. You just buy the beers or whatever. And I remember, man, I had like 150 bucks in my bank account, like business and personal. Like I, at that time I didn't separate the two. They were one and the same. Yeah. And I remember being so embarrassed to tell him, like I didn't want to tell him that I didn't want to go to the game because I didn't want to buy $10 beers at the game <laughs> because the shit's expensive. Totally. And I was like, that's going to deplete me. You know, we ended up going, I bought like, you know, I think I spent like 40 bucks. I was down to like $110, which is crazy, man. And then that was like pretty much the lowest I ever been because I was like, man, I'm, I, I just traveled. I just spent this year building my portfolio. I'm supposed to come to this city and just start thriving and finding clients and doing this and that because I have a vast portfolio now. I've been all over the world. And I was just so defeated because I was like, dude, this is just not what I thought it was going to be. I don't know where I'm going to make my next paycheck. I remember signing up for Lyft because I was like, fuck, I got to live. I got to be able to find my next, you know, pay for my next meal or whatever. Yeah. Never ended up having to drive for Lyft, fortunately. But um, I think the next week I got a job and it was like a 3K job or something like that because it was uh, like a three-day job where I was charging like $1,000 a day, something like that. And thank God I got that one because after that, I mean, I just started, things started to snowball. Like things started to work out for me. But I think, man, like everybody has that bottom of the barrel <laughs> moment before things turn. But it's those moments where you have to dig deep and, you know, kind of realize like, I'm going to figure this out one way or another. So when you say like, did you ever think it wasn't going to work? No, even then, like I knew it was going to work. I was like, I'm going to have to drive Lyft for a while and figure this shit out, but I, it's still going to work. I'm not going to get a job. I'm yeah. going to make my, my livelihood and my career what I want it to be. Totally. You know? And so that was like my bottom of the barrel moment. Uh, when I was down to like 110 bucks after I bought some game day beers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And it's almost, it's funny you say that because we kind of talked about it the other day, but it's almost having that blind faith and that, you know, cautious optimism that, hey, what I'm doing, if I keep doing it, eventually things will compound, I'll get 1% better at my craft or at my business or whatever it may be, and it will work out. Yeah. And I think that's really important for a lot of people to hear, uh, especially those in the entrepreneurial space. Um, so, okay, you started landing jobs, started making some money. 
when did you meet Cody? When did the business kind of come together? Walk me through that. So the business starts doing, I wouldn't say it's doing well. I'm just getting a little bit of traction. So I'm in a new city. I'm just a solo videographer at the time. So I'm getting one job. I'm getting one job, getting one job. But you do good work. People recommend you, whatever. So get a couple jobs. Um, kind of go this route for you know two two years or so, just doing the solo videographer thing. And then I meet Cody, who is my now business partner. So I had the video background. He had the photo background. We had a bunch of mutual clients. We just kind of hit it off. Like I had a my I had a a baby podcast back in the day where I would talk to local business owners and just people, creative people who I found interesting in Charlotte. He was my first ever guest on my podcast. And we were definitely not business partners at the time. I just thought he was a good photographer. So I just interviewed him. So that's how you met? Is just through the pod? Or? We met through my, my now wife, my girlfriend at the time. He was shooting a little bit with the Carolina Panthers. She was a top cat, a cheerleader at the Panthers. So that's how they connected. And then she's like, you got to meet my husband or my, my boyfriends. He does video. You do photo. So we linked up, um, had a meeting. And I was like, come on the pod, dude. Let's actually like, have a conversation. So he came on the pod, we chatted, and that's where we really hit it off and realized, like, we got some chemistry here. Like, we could do something with this. Um, so we kind of did that joint package offering for probably a year or so. And then beginning of 2020, we were like, let's stop messing around. Let's just merge the companies because this just makes too much sense. And we just, again, that chemistry is there. We work really, really well together. He's the most trustworthy person I've ever met in my life. And... I was just ready to kind of take that next step because being a solo entrepreneur is it's definitely a grind, but like, it's just lonely, you know, it's, it's phenomenally lonely. And like, there's so much to be said for somebody to go back and forth with, with high level decision-making, you know, like, you know, you can move quickly as a small business, which is one of the benefits, but also just to have somebody to go back and forth with as a soundboard and work through ideas. And sometimes he's like, that's fucking stupid. Let's not do that. And I, I do the same thing with him, but it's like, sometimes you need that voice of reason to stop you from making horrible mistakes or to, you know, have you to actually go through with some of the great ones, right. To come through with some of those. So I also find too, like, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, but sometimes when you're operating solo, you get analysis paralysis where you're like, if I do X, you know, these three outcomes could happen. And then, like, at least I do this in, in my businesses. If I do X, you know, action, mm-hmm. these three outcomes could, could happen. As far as what I know, there could be a fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. And then I start weighing, like, if this happens, how do I respond? If this happens, how do I respond, etc. I'm curious, like, have you ever experienced that when you were solo? Did you find yourself almost overthinking to the point where you're slowing yourself down? Um, I wouldn't say that much. Um, I mean, to be honest, I was just a solo videographer. It's not like I had that many high level decisions to make. I was like, you know, this is my price point. This is my package. Either you do business with me or you don't, you know? Um, but as we've scaled, you know, we've gotten a little bit more complex and we have a different client base than we did then, obviously. So, um, yes, but at the same time, you know, he's very similar to me in a lot of ways and very different in a lot of ways. One of the ways we're very similar is like big decisions, important decisions we need time to like work through. So we're still a little bit slow with some of the bigger stuff, 
relatively speaking, we're much, much faster than these big companies. But for us, you know, a couple of days of, of thought is like slow for us. Fair. <laughs> so. so how has the business evolved coming together? Obviously, you got packages. I think at one point you guys were looking at doing subscriptions for social media. Yeah. Kind of walk me through how that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were first starting, we just kind of kept doing what we had been doing individually, but offered that together. So, and pretty much 100% of our clients were small businesses. So just local businesses here in Charlotte that were like, um, apparel or, you know, a sunglass shop or shoes or whatever it may be. And, um, we were offering like little monthly packages to shoot their content and, whip it up for social media and that sort of thing, which was was good at the time, good way to build the portfolio again. But as we grew, we were like, man, we're never gonna be able to scale this thing because we're working exclusively with small businesses. And the problem in media with working with small businesses, creatively, it's phenomenal because it's, it's fun work. You get to really ideate from the ground up, work with them hand in hand. That, but that's also a crutch because they want to be involved every step of the way, yeah. all the way to the top, from the bottom to the top. And it's stifling because they're, they want to be so involved. And the price point is so low with small businesses compared to how much time and effort you're putting into this client. It just doesn't make sense to scale. So we had to make a diff difficult decision to be like, um, I think what we need to do is per like, this is terrifying, but we need to kind of purge our client book and start again with bigger corporate clients. Cause we want like five to 10 big corporate clients in our portfolio that hire us because they trust us. They're bringing us on to say, Hey, you guys are great at this. We're going to leave you to do this because that's what, you know, we don't want to do it. That's why we're hiring you right. instead of, Let's do this together. Like, you know, some clients are more hands-on than others, but, you know, we needed to find those like five to 10 core clients that were bigger retainers that we could put all our effort into and feel they respected that and creatively like wanted us to kind of take the reins on that. Got it. Sort of redefining yes. you know, the business, which is pretty, <laughs> yes. ironically is the name of the business yes. is, is redefine you. So exactly. I love it. So business is is taken off you partner with cody you know side side hustle if you will you're kind of growing your own personal brand through social media with fitness um i'd love to understand more like the fitness journey why you know is it so important to you you know why did you start why the ultra marathons walk me through that yeah I, i've been asking myself some of these same questions lately like why why, why am I doing this? What am I, what do I want to get out of this? And for me, one, it goes back to my personal content, like the fitness content. It marries the two things that I love to do most of my life, which is one, I love fitness. I'm very passionate about fitness. And two, I love to be creative. So I can put the two together and make videos, make photos, you know, do whatever I want to do with it. It's really limitless. Um, so I think that's why I like it so much. It, you know, when I look back, like I started working out in high school. Like I remember being in high school and taking Jacked 3D. You know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Back when, workout? Yeah, back yeah. when it was like the OG Jacked 3D and like Just figuring out what- Straight cardiac arrest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They had to stop that, uh, that formula because people were getting like heart attacks and stuff. Yeah. But I remember like scooping that with my homie and being like, you know, 
actually finding out what gym culture was. We'd go to the YMCA and just like take Jack 3D and just do uh, biceps every day, <laughs> chest and, and biceps every day. Yeah. But, you know, I remember getting into that and, you know, I was 14, 15 at the time. I'm 29 now. So it's, it's taken me basically 15 years to start preaching and, and talking about this passion of mine. Like, you know, we can be passionate about something, but sharing that passion with others is what makes it so fulfilling for totally. me at least. Right. And so now yeah. I'm on the other side where I'm like, all right, fuck it. I don't need to like, nobody's going to give me permission to say, Hey, you're, you're, you've been doing this 15 years. Like you're qualified. Why don't you tell other people what you know, what regiment you're doing, like what your workouts are, whatever it is, that permission's never coming. And I decided to give myself permission and say like, Hey, I don't really care what the reaction is. I'm going to marry my two passions, <clears throat> fitness and creativity, and just like throw something out into the world. And figure it out along the way, similar to how I did my career path early on. Just like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I just want to start and start putting stuff into the world. Yeah, I love it. Because you don't necessarily care you know, what other people are saying. It's just, hey, this makes me happy. This makes me feel good. Yeah, and for me, I can justify what I'm throwing up pretty easily because I'm like, one, uh, it's important to me and it matters to me. So it's going to probably matter to somebody else. And two... I've spent the last five or excuse me, six, seven years just creating, like making shit. Yeah. So I know it's probably going to look pretty good. And, you know, my pretty good is probably heaps and bounds over somebody else's just uh, okay that they're putting up with their, their editing with their phone and they're using CapCut and whatever. So I'm like, I'm not ever going to get into my head about quality because I know the quality is going to be good and it matters to me. So why else would I, would I be nervous to throw something up, yeah. you know? Honestly, I find, you know, a lot of your stuff like motivational and inspiring, especially for people who are just starting out. Um, you know, we're similar, I guess, from a time perspective, we're similar in, you know, the running game and, and the endurance game. But, you know, a, a lot of your stuff is motivational and inspirational. And I think people who are just starting out like, hey, I want to run three miles. I want to train for a 5K. Yeah. I think your stuff is is impactful because a lot of what social media portrays is like, you know, I'm doing this hundred mile race and I trained for, you know, a year to do it and I'm going to go out and do it. No issues. Like, I think we see those things. It's an extreme example, but we see those things on social media all the time where it's mm -hmm. like these people, it looks like it's effortless for them. But what people don't see is, Hey, I've been doing this for 15 years. In your case, yeah. I've been doing this for seven years from a creative perspective. And I've been running and training for two and a half, three years. And I'm going to go out and execute on my goals. But mm -hmm. people don't always portray like the tough days. Right. And that kind of segue, segue, segues me, excuse me, into the next point, which is we talked about this, but after your hundred mile race, you know, you were riding a crazy high for 48 hours and then yeah. a crazy low. So <laughs> crazy walk me, low. walk me through, yeah. you know, the peak. Cause I want to, I want to hear the peak, you know, um, feeling and experience, but walk me through the Valley as well, because I remember seeing texts from you like, man, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm yeah. sore, but it wasn't just physical. It was a lot more. And I think it's really interesting to, to dive into. hundred percent, man. So think about it this way, you know, you, you've had this goal for, you know, eight months and you just been day in, day out, grinding, 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 working towards this one thing, this one day, eight months from now. 
and the day comes and it's everything you know you could imagine it it could be it's incredible um but you know you never prepare yourself for the back half it's like you you make it to the summit but then you're like oh shit i gotta go all the way back down totally. <laughs> you know like I gotta, I gotta reserve some energy because I'm coming all the way back down to base camp. So uh, the tail end of that, it was kind of multiplied because I was hurting so bad physically, like I couldn't really move. And so for me, I'm just somebody who, in order to go through everyday life and be my best self, I need to break a sweat. I need to, you know, be active. And when I have that taken away from me, I struggle. Uh, I do know that about myself. And, and that was one of those times where I just struggled, man, because I had worked, you know, all this time for this thing. And then I'm on the back half of it, like, damn, what's next? Like, do I need to sign up for another race? Like, do I need to go see a therapist? Like, I'm just down for no reason. I mean, everybody's felt that at some point. It's like, I don't want to say depression, but just like, you know, I, I was I was a little bit lost yeah. um, for a very brief period of time. This is very recent. Um for me, the way out of it was, hey, just do what you can. Like, go to PT, go go see Caroline, go get acupuncture, go get your leg worked out. Like, my leg was swollen up like a balloon, so I was just very in a bad state. And me, yeah. But so I'd go see her. I was like, just do work, do what you can, right? And so two weeks of just kind of, you know, putzing around, being a little bit down, which is crazy because in hindsight, I'm like, dude, you just ran 100 miles and also – you did, you did a great time. Like, I was very proud of the time that I did. You know what I mean? I mean, for people who are listening who don't know, like, you ran a 100-mile ultra marathon. Your first 100-miler, your second ultra, I think the first one was like 30, 32 miles, something like that. You ran 36. Yeah. 36, here we go. 100-mile ultra marathon. You came in second overall. Yes. First in age group, I believe, and third fastest time in course history. Yeah, but I, I expected that. Like nobody else did. And I wasn't going to go around saying that before the race, but like I expected that because yeah. I had put in all the work and I'm getting chills just thinking about it because it just comes full circle. Like if you're putting in the training and you're doing what you're supposed to do, the rest is going to take care of itself. Like I look back, you know, I, I literally last week, I just started a new marathon block. So I looked back at my old block for the hundred last week and I just looked at it with nostalgia and like such a swelling of pride because I'm like, I did not miss one fucking workout on here. I didn't miss one. There was one day where I switched workouts, but other than that, I'm like, I didn't miss. I hit everything on here. And that's why I knew I was going to do what I what I set out to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like it was, I'm so proud of, of that too, but I'm like, that's just business as usual. I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's, I think it's one of those things where it's not necessarily, and we talked about this, it's more the journey than the destination. And that's yes. sort of a, overused overplayed saying but it's not necessarily the race that you're proud of in my opinion it's the work you put in to get to the race 100%. and execute on what you thought you were going to execute on so i think it's super interesting but you know you bring up a good point about balance because i think you know we heard nick bear say this from from jeff cunningham but the whole concept of being all in versus all consumed Right. And everybody knows, I mean, anybody who knows you, anybody who follows you knows that you were all in on your goal. You're all in on your training. But do you yeah. feel like you crossed that line into being all consumed and losing a little bit of balance in terms of, you know, the ultra? Yeah, my wife will tell you, yes. <laughs> I, I was, I, I don't think that I did. I mean, I was very close. I was on the borderline. 
But I, I do know that about myself too, that like I obsess over my goals in life. It can be a business goal. It can be a physical goal. Like I had a friend tell me one time, she was like, when you when you want to be, you're a top three friend. But when you get obsessed with something else, you suck. <laughs> and that hit me really hard at that time. But it's so, like, it's true. I know that about myself because everything else kind of goes by the wayside when I'm focused on these things. And that was a hard thing that I had to, you know, just accept. And it, it also makes me realize like, hey, for those people that are important to you, like you got to step up, man. You can't let these other things like, yes, you're going to continue to pursue these things, but you can't let them get in the way of like life. So be there for the important times, like prioritize those people, like you don't have to have a ton of people, but have your five to 10 core people that you will literally do anything for. Yeah. You won't miss anything for, you're there if they need you. Um, it's something I still you know, need to work on, but it's something I'm, I'm much more conscious of than I used to be. So the balance, uh, I, I surely, surely could have been better about the balance. I don't think that I really got like all consumed though. Yeah, it makes sense. I just feel like it comes down to being intentional. Like yeah. intentional with the people in your life, but intentional with the time. It's the one thing we can't get back. We've talked about that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so as it relates to fitness, like what's uh, what's the next goal? And then you got the the marathon that you're prepping for, but yeah, ultra as well. Yeah, right now. So um, I just started my on Monday. I started my new training block for a marathon, which I'm very excited about. Which marathon? Again? Uh, it's called Jack and Jill. So it's actually a downhill, very slight gradual downhill uh, which i'm excited about it's gonna be very fast so i think i think i could do 250 and then i'm like i'm hoping the downhill gives me an extra five so i'll get 245 that's the goal i love it um so so that i mean the last month like after i was able to move around and i uh i could walk without like looking like you know a drug addict looking looking for like more. you ran 100 miles <laughs> <laughs> yes which took two weeks so i remember like from the day uh, of the race, actually maybe two and a half weeks. But from that point on, I just got back into lifting. So I put on 10 pounds in the last month because I'm like, I just want to get strong and I want to get fast. So I'm trying to do those. I, I went ahead and was like, let me put on a little bit of weight and then I'll slim down as this uh, marathon prep continues. So put on the weight and um, yeah, just going for the sub 245 right now. I love it. One thing I love about you too is that you're putting your goals out there for the world to see oh yeah which is scary <laughs> yeah. but it's also like a great you know tool for accountability is that yeah. kind of what you use it for 100 percent. i again i know that about myself too is like if i don't put it out into the world um i'm not going to maybe pursue it as hard as i would have otherwise so yeah. i am unapologetic with my goals like they're a little bit aggressive and i think that's good uh, if i don't hit it I'm not gonna be embarrassed. I'm going to get as close to it as I physically can. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I don't wanna set an easy goal. Like I could go say sub three. I still haven't got sub three. I could easily go say sub three, but I know I can get sub three. So I'm like, all right, let's kind of push, push the envelope a little bit. I love it. I feel like the exciting thing with you is like you're hitting these goals. It's not like you're, at this point at least, you're putting goals out there and hitting them. So like the goalpost keeps moving. But with that comes like a lot of, you know, uh, what's next feeling for you personally, just because I know who you are and you want to keep yeah. pushing the envelope. When do you feel like you're going to hit that point where it's like, 
okay, I'm proud of what I've done. Yeah. I don't need to what's next for a year or six months. Like, let me enjoy what I've done and, you know, dial it back and, and recover a bit. That's the question. That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I don't really ever think I'm going to be done. Like, there's always going to be something that I'm working towards. That's just how I'm wired. And I, I am very proud of, you know, the things that I have accomplished. You know, it's not like I'm not proud of it. Um, I am proud and I need to enjoy those wins more. That's, that's another thing I'd like to work on personally is just <clears throat> taking more time to reflect and be grateful. I mean, man, you were there for my hundred. Like I was overwhelmed with just the love and support. Like I had you and Chris pacing me, but beyond that, I had my family there too. Like eight or 10 of them just, you know, taking care of me at the aid stations and all this. And like, it was amazing. It was truly a profound moment in my life where I'm like, I'm surrounded by people that just love and, and care about me right now. And they don't give a shit what place I come in. It right. doesn't matter. They're just here to like support me and be here for me. And, um, that's why I told you a little bit, I had like this come to Jesus moment during the race. And that was a huge part of it. I was like, everybody I, I love and care about is here. Like, this is incredible. Yeah. You know, that support system. Um, so just finding more gratitude throughout the day to day, but nah, the goalposts are, are always going to be moving back probably. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, another thing kind of, you know, dovetailing off of the fitness discussion is, is social media. Um, obviously you're growing your following, you're, you know, partnering with BPN, um, you know, about supplements and different things of that nature. Like walk me through your goals for social media. We kind of touched on it about how you're posting more and educating people, but Walk me through more of the goals for that because I feel like, you know, based off of what it looks like, you're kind of going down that path a little bit more. So there's a story behind this too. So basically in like, I think it was like November 2nd. And I know this because I looked back the other day because I was curious, but I texted my wife. I was just at home and I had just gotten a workout in and I was just thinking and I texted her and I was like, hey, this feels so weird to say, but like, I want to be a sponsored athlete. Like I want to put everything I have into my goals and, and my mission and, and sharing that journey on social media. I don't know what it looks like, but like, I want to be a fitness. I don't like to say the word influencer. I'm certainly not an influencer, but like, I just want to share my journey more. I want to put it out there to the world. And I also would love to be like a sponsored athlete. Like that's kind of like a new dream for me. That was in November, got an ambassadorship with BPN in February and uh, BPN's phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm not just saying that, like the community that they have is unreal. Um, I've, I haven't really met that many people in, in person. I know Casey obviously is here in Charlotte. There's one other ambassador I think is here in Charlotte, but there's like four or 500 ambassadors all over the US and they're just like, so freaking incredibly supportive. There's amazing human beings. And it's finally, you know, when I get in a conversation with them, I don't feel weird. Like oftentimes when I'm talking about my fitness goals and my journey and what I'm attempting to do in these things, people will just look at me weird. Like I don't fit in it. Like that's crazy. You know, it doesn't make sense why you're doing that. But when I'm with them, it just makes sense because everybody's got crazy fucking goals. And totally. I love that. You know what I mean? So so that uh, ambassadorship with them is, is incredible, first and foremost, because of the community. And second, the supplements are just amazing. Like recommend them to everybody I can. You use the products. They're freaking amazing. It. It's funny because yeah. I, I found out about BPN 
through BPN, not Nick Bear. And I found BPN first, and then I found Nick Bear. That's and I was funny. like, what, 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 what's the big deal about this guy? What's like so polar opposite of everyone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. And then I was like, oh, I get it. He's a fucking beast. That's, that's what it is. And so I went down the Nick Bear rabbit hole. And I haven't consumed like that much content of his, but I know how incredible of a person he is. And um, I, I truly wholeheartedly believe in that company. They're awesome. I love it, man. Well, testament to you, testament to the hard work, the training you've done, the events you've done. You crushed it. I appreciate, you know, the last hour or so chopping it up as always. Yes, uh, I appreciate it, man. And I'm excited to see what's next for you. Yeah, thanks. That was some great questions. Got real inquisitive there. So I, I was I prepping like for you. Man. I was <laughs> so prepping. I'm going to throw some doozies at you next week. And we'll, ready. we'll get to you. <laughs> I'm ready. Cool, All right, man. All love right. it. All right, guys, thank you so much for your support on each and every episode of the Hybrid Human Podcast. It really means the world to us. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe to the channel. Stay up to date with new content moving forward.